beauty will transform the world. Why? Because yeah. beauty is one of the transcendentals, uh, goodness, truth, and beauty. And so if we can get people to, again, just have that experiential knowledge of beauty, that's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, you never told me it was like this. Yeah. Okay, well, now we can talk about like, why is that beautiful? Right. Which is why we're going to print, Nate is on this, they're going to put just my picture all over campus so that people can experience raw beauty. They don't have the paper oh, yeah. big enough to fit your head on it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> they sure don't. They sure so. don't. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the parish podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. If you missed the first half of our conversation with Father David Huss, the new parochial vicar at our parish, you can listen to that now in the previous episode, The New Priest in Town, Part 1. Now, it's time for Part 2, so enjoy. Um, I think we left it there at the okay. end of your five years, and then okay, you go yeah. to seminary, I assume, right after that, right? Yes, I went to seminary, and, and then, uh, so I was at Holy Trinity Seminary. The way seminary works is you go and do uh, basically philosophy first, and then you and then you go into theology. So we have to know how to think before we can end up doing theology. Um, and this, I mean, this goes into just like how and when, like Christ revealed himself in the world, like with this background of like Greek philosophy and things like that. So that again, the humanity knew how to think and to encounter him. We get a bit of this in like John one, in the beginning was a word, the logos logic. Like now we can think about him well because we have the tools and things. So did Holy Trinity seminary in, um, Basically at University of Dallas, and then and then came back here, St. Mary's Seminary in Houston. So because I already had a college degree, again that biology degree, I did two years of intensive philosophy, like all the classes were philosophy, and then oh, you come that's to heaven. that's just I, heaven. I know I lo- I loved it. I oh. mean I, I've obviously been oh. a proponent of that needs to be stretched one to three years because there are some guys who who have a very difficult time um, with that jump. But as a nerd, like I mm. loved it. And you had already started working on your or you got your accreditation with the National Catholic Bioethics. Yeah. So I had some background. And yeah. then, too, I mean, one of the reasons why I went to Franciscan University was because I was like, okay, well, I can be a bio major, and then I can have a nerdy friend like Gomer, who we can have, like, conversations, and and I can learn theology, I can learn some philosophy, like, along the way. I mean, you do take some cr- yeah. classes, um, but I can, I can learn more things that way. So, yes, I already had experience with it, but... Um, so, yeah, those two years, then you jump into... Um, theology and in the middle of them as y'all have encountered with the guys on pastoral year there's that one mm-hmm. extra pastoral year so for a guy who already has a college degree seven years for a guy who doesn't it's nine so i was actually curious about the uh biology background with all the doctors in your family yeah. the nurses a lot of times that hard science especially these days mm-hmm. is a gateway to oh, yeah. uh atheism mm-hmm. you know you see a lot and, and you talk to a lot of uh professors of hard sciences at uh, mm-hmm. universities and they're mostly agnostic or atheist or think mm-hmm. they've outwitted the yeah. church in, in many ways. So did you see any of that in school? And I guess, how, did, how do you avoid viewing the world as like either science or faith? I mean, the reason why the modern sciences even begin to exist is because the church had engaged in the modern, in, in, in the science, what we know is the science is because what? The more you learn about creation, the more you understand the creator of all of those things. So this helps us fall in love with God more because we can intuit something from creation, something of the creator from creation. There were certain times I'm sure I had some questions and and we always have questions and like 
I always encourage when I'm when I'm talking with youth, like one of the things I did at St. Vincent de Paul, which I plan to do in the school here, was like go to the middle school and be like, ask me any question. Our faith is not afraid of any question you have. And St. Thomas Aquinas probably answered them all already. We can have those questions. I realize it can lead to atheism, but I'm trying to remember, Gomer, do you know... I'm trying to remember if it was like Einstein or whoever it might have been said, like a little science will lead to atheism. But like if you if you know a lot, it will lead you to God, mm. because if you if you kind of just scratch the surface, yeah. um, you you're you're not seeing the big picture. But when you dive deep into something, I mean, this is why you have like it's a priest who has who invented the Big Bang Theory. You have yeah. I mean, so many priests and monks and things like that are the ones who um, uh, Mendel, yeah. who gives us Father the, Gregor Mendel of modern genetics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Father George Lemaitre of uh, of the Big Bang theory, right? It was uh, he called it the cosmic egg at that time. Yeah. But the problem is, a scientific way of thinking is an honestly new mode of using human reason, mm-hmm. and it doesn't jive well with a symbolic way of thinking that was what happened before, yeah. right? And but it's the church that gave birth to the discipline that brought about scientific thinking. So when Correct. people call it the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was 18th century, 1700s. It was a trying to make philosophy scientific, mm-hmm. right? And those are two different ways of going yeah. about it. And the funny thing was, there's a book, it's a fairly famous book right now written by um, Stephen Pinkers, Dr. Stephen mm-hmm. Pinkers, called Enlightenment Now. And the sad thing is, he gets the history so wrong because he's like, you know, we got to overcome the ancient regime, the alignment of church and altar and the Roman Catholicism and all this stuff. And that's what gave us the beautiful gift of the Enlightenment and political liberalism and all that stuff. But it's funny that the scientific method was not invented in the Enlightenment. It was invented in the Renaissance from very explicitly religious people. People like Galileo Galilei, people like Niccolo Copernicus, like all of these people were explicitly religious. And yeah, the Roman Catholic Church messed up big time with a lot of these things, but it was the birth of a whole new era, Mm -hmm. right? And it was the scientists of the previous way of thinking that championed the the you know the at home confinement of Galileo Galilei right it wasn't just a the church authority stomping on people no. it was trying to quell a scientific revolution by other scientists too mm-hmm. and the vast majority of scientists were clerics mm-hmm. and people don't realize it cathedrals they ripped holes in walls of cathedrals so that starlight could pour through right. and that the birth of modern astronomy came through cathedral ceilings like mm-hmm. it's incredible you can go and um, walk the floors of ancient cath- of uh, european cathedrals and you could see them tracking star formations over decades yeah. right because there was no other building bigger right so you start to see this beautiful gift and for having someone like yourself who has a science background who has you know you know, pre-med. I mean, so many kids that are, um, and you were there for that, Nate, for our senior recognition. Yep. The first youth ministry event that we had on campus. We had so many kids who are like pre-med, mm-hmm. going into hard sciences. And my fear yeah. is like, they're just going to get their faith like mangled yeah. by an anti-religious worldview. It will be attacked. I mean, we can expect that that's going to happen, which is why, again, we need to keep working on like digging deep in regards to like what our faith actually teaches, but as well, too, like there can be a, a digging deep into the, the stuff of, of the sciences, but also recognizing there's a particular worldview in which it approaches it approaches the world. And I mean, we can, we can have like a whole podcast yeah. on that, you and I. Yeah, well, that's interesting because you mentioned earlier that 
through the sciences and through nature is a way to come to God. And that's that's yeah. a legitimate way you use the language of math or the fact that, you know, cells all... that You can use the comprehensible nature of the universe as a, as a way to say that a comprehensible being must have uh, created it. I hope I said that without an any... Intelligent uh, yeah, yeah. You can apprehend them. Yeah, you apprehend. can never comprehend. Correct. Oh, yeah. Right. My bad. Cardinal yeah, Ratzinger. Cannot fully Bam. wrap Stinking. your mind around. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Steubenville nerds. How did we get so many <laughs> Steubenville people at this parish? Well, what I'm a director. <laughs> no, but that's that's a, that's an important distinction because as we're going to talk about, like in other things, whether it be any of the sacraments, for instance, sacred liturgy, even like marriage, as we were talking about, like dating and stuff earlier, like each person is. A mystery. Mystery not meaning like that there's just something hidden and you're not going to find out about it, but like a truth so, I think Baron, it's Bishop Barron's like definition, is like a truth so large you cannot comprehend it. You cannot get your mind fully mm-hmm. around it, each person. And so that's why, like again, whether it be prayer and like relationship with God, like you're going to him and don't think you're going to like get it perfectly. You're not going to get, just like you can't, like you might know your wife and you, better than anybody else on the planet, but so you don't get like everything. This is why, again, the, the years go by and you keep learning more and beautiful things like about the other. Um, the same goes with like sacred liturgy. That's one of our problems in the modern age is, and it's, it touches upon this point with science that we can like yeah. conquer and know and like seeing is believing. Like, nope, that's not true. You don't see gravity. It exists. You don't see, we say this every time in the creed, we believe in things visible and invisible. Mm -hmm. There are invisible realities that are in front of our face, invisible aspects of reality um, that are in front of our face um, that we cannot like grasp fully and maybe not even grasp like well with our person except for like the spiritual eyes of our soul. Um, uh, And so... This is why it's so important that we are like informing our intellect of what reality is, even if we cannot see it. Um, and the more and more we begin to understand the teachings of the church, the more and more we understand the sacred liturgy, which is this is why it's important, like having the smells and the bells and all those sorts of things, because those, those imprint themselves and help our minds ascend to like what we are actually engaging um, uh, so that we can like engage it well. Um, but yeah, we can't, we're never going to comprehend all of like, what God is doing on our behalf, what's happening within the sacred liturgy. And so this is why, but we, we keep subordinating, putting ourselves under the order, like surrendering to God, again, to the beauties of what he would teach us and what he teaches us, particularly through his bride or his mystical body, like the church. Yeah, and going right off that, with the science, right, that's so fascinating is the more we get rid of a symbolic representative kind of knowledge and the more we embrace a rational scientific kind of knowledge, you immediately see its effect in liturgy and church and architecture. Why is it that so many American churches are ugly and you would never want to go in them? No one's booking a plane ticket to come to Houston, Texas to look at the majority of our church. There's a handful of beautiful ones. But many people who are stone-cold atheists walk the cathedrals of Europe because they knew that, I mean, you walk into St. Peter's Basilica not only is it an artistic masterpiece, but every inch of that place is filled with symbolic representation, using physical signs down to like colors, sizes, shapes, geometries. I mean, it's sophisticated science, oh, yeah. but it's all meant to express the unfathomable, can't even say that word, beauty, <laughs> beauty of God, like the the incomprehensible mystery, here's a taste. And I remember my uh, a particular person in my life who was struggling with hardcore atheism, drug addiction, all this, 
walked into St. Peter's Basilica, and I had already seen it, so I went in first, and I just watched his face. And he walked in, and his jaw, like the stereo, like cartoon, yeah. and he just stared, and he's trying to take it all in, and you can't, right? He's trying to absorb it all, and he just kept whispering, you never told me it was like this. You never told me it was like this. Like, yeah. he encountered reverence mm-hmm. in a way that the scientific you know economies of scale when we build chapels and churches you lose right yeah. statues matter paintings matter sacred music matters and it all becomes this like way of expressing the divine in human yeah. ways and this right. is why bishop Barron is on like his deal like i mean i don't think he yeah. uses the words but beauty will transform the world why because yeah. beauty is one of the transcendentals uh goodness truth and beauty and so if we can get people to again just have that experiential knowledge of beauty that's like oh wow yeah. Like you never told me it was like this. Yeah. Okay, well now we can talk about like, why is that beautiful? Right. Which is why we're going to print Nate is on this, right? He's already contacted Alpha Graphics. They're going to put just my picture all over campus so that people can experience raw beauty. They don't have uh-huh. the paper oh, yeah. big enough to fit your head on it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> they sure don't. They sure so, don't. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, so Father David, you're at, you're at seminary, you you spend 7 years there. You're yeah. you're ordained and 2 years ago no, no. So I'm in my fourth year. Of You're in your fourth year wow. of Christ priesthood. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So anything about what? Did you enjoy your time at seminary? I know some some guy. It's a mixed bag. So uh, yes, I did because it became one. A, there's it's a place to pray. Like it's a little in a certain sense like a hermitage or a monastery rather. Uh, and so um, place to engage in true leisure because if actually we look at the like the etymology of the word leisure. It's the same word we get school from. Like school is leisurely is actually like because we're learning more about again the creator through what he's created. Um, and so just great to engage in that. And so to have the material in which I could pray with. I mean, you have more time for prayer. You're doing, you're engaging in the sacred liturgy, typically like very reverently and well, uh, uh, closer to like the ideals of what the church would have for us. Um, and that's beautiful. Sure. Are there headaches? Yeah. Because uh, every family has uh, like their issues. And so even the seminary family has issues. And if you talk with any religious, uh, any person in a religious order, they'll be like, what's your favorite thing? And what's your like least favorite thing? And they're like, the people, like both of them. It's like my brothers and sisters in that religious order are my favorite thing, and then at the same time, too, they drive me nuts. So, um, yeah, so the same thing goes, like, in seminary. Thing, there'll, there'll be things that drive me nuts. But otherwise, blessed time, and I do appreciate it. So um, here's a question you could ask anybody, a married person uh, or, or a priest, but you're, you're four years now into this vocation, mm-hmm. right? So what is what is way different than what you thought four years ago about your vocation, whether that's, you know, your time in confession? Because uh, you... You've heard probably, I don't know, know, 5,000 confessions at this point. I love the sacrament of reconciliation. And that will be something for like an episode at some point in time. Like engaging in the sacrament of reconciliation and experiencing God's mercy and doing it well. Coming with a heart. I mean, I I basically, that was part of the homily this, this Sunday was like preparing ourselves when we meet God, preparing ourselves when we engage in sacred liturgy and the sacraments. Um, but, uh, maybe I still have rose-colored glass. I'm sure some would accuse me of that. But there's not a ton that, like, shocks me. And I, and I said it at the, the beginning of that homily. Like, I've always viewed the priesthood as its fatherhood. 
I mean, this, and this is why like our vocations need each other so very much, like the married, like the sacrament of marriage and the sacrament of the priesthood. Um, it's that because I need to see, like, for instance, if I go over to Gomer and Shannon's house, like I need to see how Gomer lays down his life for his bride, that Ephesians five, like, because that shows me how I need to lay down my life for my bride, the church, as well as for my kids and giving of myself and pouring myself out so that they may not just survive, but thrive. So to too. I need to see the love of Shannon for, for Michael, for Gomer. I mean, this is one of the beauties of femininity is to how to like actively receive the love of another who is pouring themselves out for. Because that teaches me now how to be, because Christ is the bridegroom. Christ is like the one who's come for, to save my soul. And so to learn how to surrender, learn how to receive, um, learn how to be loved. And then so too, like seeing a dad and engage with their children. I mean, one of the, my favorite memories, and it doesn't do it maybe justice on a podcast where it can't be seen, but was like sitting with my younger brother, Michael. Uh, so I have one sibling, uh, one, one sibling alive. My parents had a miscarriage in between. They wanted six kids, but they only got the, the two of us. Um, but that's what led mom to be, my mom to be known affectionately yeah. as Mama Hust. Like her house is like always open. She's always receiving mm-hmm. people. Um, she wrote a note on my dry erase board that said, take care of my David and then in parentheses wrote or else oh my gosh and then signed it dash mama and then Brian Jones came in and we were talking he goes that's weird that father Tom signed his name mama (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness what we're talking about um yeah the spiritual uh, fatherhood Bishop Barron just talked about that um in the last episode of his podcast it was on some they use the foil of this New York Times article on mm-hmm. why this woman got married at a very early age and had yeah. kids at 26 you know a <laughs> very early age franciscan terms that's late that's yeah. middle age but <laughs> you're uh, 12 by the time you're yeah. <laughs> but her whole thing her whole comment was like these are the things that having marriage and kids early challenges mm-hmm. about the selfishness inherent in your life it's not the only way it's our way but listen to you know, in, in all these other articles that you get in the New York Times that just yeah. bashes, you know, parenting and marriage and all this stuff. Here yeah. you have this counterexample. And they were talking about it. And Bishop Barron said, you know, when I talk to my seminarians, the main thing I tell them <laughs> is your priesthood is fatherhood. Yeah. So learn from husbands and fathers how to be good husbands and fathers. Yeah. You're spiritual, Right. The bride is the church, but at the same time, you need to know this stuff. So quit acting like you're – and this was the phrase he used. The thing I condemn is you're a bachelor for life. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you are a priest, you are not a bachelor, so quit acting like it. And I was like, whoa, that's that's pretty powerful. As the guy who's the rector of Mundelein Seminary, Mm -hmm. you know, in his past, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not a bachelor. So, I mean, I – I mean, so viewing the priesthood through the eyes of, of fatherhood is be like, yep. I mean, there's glorious moments that you have with your kids. There's also them like throwing temper tantrums. There's like, you got to pay the bills. You got to do like this stuff. You got to do the stuff around the, uh, the house. Um, so there's, I mean, the fun parts, there's the difficult parts and, and just be ready for it all. And again, there's, there's some beautiful moments, especially in the sacrifice when like the, the most essential part of the priesthood is getting to be like actualized and offering the sacrifice or offering the merits of Christ's one sacrifice, like made present in the sacrament of reconciliation or baptizing. I mean, that's a glorious moment. So too, it connects me with my priesthood. I always appreciate when I get to do baptisms because then like sacred chrism is on my hands and it reminds me of the day that I laid down my life for the Lord. Um, and he anointed these hands for offering the sacrifice for love of his people. I don't know. There's not a ton of shock. If anything, the, the thing that shocked me, maybe the most ended up being like sometimes you hear some priests kind of 
preparing you for the pushback that you're going to get from people and particularly when like you're trying to change something in a parish and for the most part like I try never to give like just my opinion I try always to give what Mother Church says. Again, my life is about subordination, ordering myself under Christ and other under Mother Church. And so mine would always try to be like, I just want to share with people like what Christ says is awesome and good for us and will lead to life. Uh, what will it was beautiful and good. Um, and same thing that what Mother Church says to us is like good and true and beautiful. And and when I explain something like, okay, here's a thing where we might change or whatever. Um, most of the time when people understand it, there's there's very little. I've experienced at least in the last three years at St. Vincent of Paul, like people loved it. They were like, oh yeah, this is beautiful. Um, you know, I kind of pushed, for instance, to give one example, like praying the Liturgy of the Hours. Why? Because the Second Vatican Council encouraged pastors of souls to teach the people Liturgy of the Hours so they could pray more fully the Sacred Liturgy, um, which we don't have time to like explain fully right now, but like so that all of time became sanctified because Christ told us to pray always. That's a piece of what, what Liturgy of the Hours does. And like showed it to the people and many loved praying. And they said it so helped their life because now they're, they're encountering like the mass readings differently because it's now within the context of liturgy of the hours and stuff, or like the chanting, like we, mm. we started using antiphons some more, or again, a whole other podcast on the beauty of the liturgy and the things that the church says are good and beautiful and, and, and good for us and, um, and help us enter deeper into that incomprehensible uh, mystery. Yeah. And just speaking to that in my personal relationship with father David over the years, right. Father David would always be like, what, what are you reading? What do you do? Like when he was at seminary, he was like, here's some of the stuff that's driving me insane. And so we would talk about this stuff because, you know, for me, it was moral theology that lit my heart on fire mm-hmm. and it warmed my heart when I saw your sources of Christian ethics <laughs> on your bookshelf. Yes. I was like, I remember talking to you about that yes. book and going through that. But the funny thing about Father David is I would listen to a lot of um, I get a lot of I steal a lot from Protestant preachers all the time. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, Father David, you got to hear the way Reverend Timothy Keller breaks up, blah, blah, blah. And he would go. Uh, no, I don't know enough of the Catholic Church's teaching in that area to be able to properly parse what the, you know, the Reformed Church Presbyterian, you know, Reverend Timothy Keller is going to say. So I don't know how to judge that and take, you know, hold on to the good, you know, where it aligns with Catholic theology. So I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to listen to that because I don't want to ever accidentally say the wrong thing because it sounds like a slick point. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So like that's that, an interesting thought, right? So you really do discipline yourself so that what you say is what the church teaches, not what you're trying, your trying. agenda, you know. And that's Pope Pope Paul the uh, Pope John Paul the Second, right? He said uh, in his wonderful and I read it every year before I do my curriculum planning. He said the catechists must engage in ascesis, ascetical practices, so that they can have the discipline, the echoing the words of our Lord. My teaching is not mine, but His who sent me. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus said that about the Father. We need to say that about Christ. Yeah. My teaching's not mine. I'm not just here to give the Republican agenda or the Democrat agenda yeah. or to do this stuff, but I have to truly subordinate myself to the gospel. Yeah. And from there, judge the DNC, the GOP, whatever, and, and hold on to yeah. what's good and cast off the rest. You know? Yeah, and then that too, I mean, without us going too f- f- far, that's, I, I like, I always come back to Ephesians 5, because again, fatherhood, marital relationship, or mystical marriage like with Christ, yeah. is like, so the translation of be subordinate to one another, that's yeah. at the beginning of Ephesians 5, also one of the translations can be submissive. So when we're subordinate to Christ, yeah. now we can better be submissive to him and be under his mission and then go forth 
like we're called to do, like we're made for such a time as this, like as baptized priests, prophets, and kings to go into the world, going in peace, like is the thing at the end of Mass, which I joked about it. It's not just at the end of Mass going like, go away. Um, (laughs) We're saying go in peace, like you have received the Prince of Peace. You've now been reordered by him. And this is why preparation matters, because you'll be greater and greater reordered by the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ based on the preparation that's been there. But like you can go now to be a priest, sanctifying the world, to be a prophet, to preach truth. And no matter what difficulty comes your way, because you have Christ and you have the peace within you, uh, you've allowed, you've, your heart has been like ordered to him. Like you can sustain anything. Um, uh, you'll go in peace as you, in your kingly role, govern the world, um, bringing it more into order. But we'll be able to fulfill more so the mission of Christ we've been so lovingly called and invited into when we have like Again, subordinate our hearts, listen to him, and are trying to really only give what he wants. So would you um, apply that concept of, of be, being sure you know the Catholic teaching of a certain certain topic? You know, obviously you want to know before you, you listen to these Protestants. What about the culture at, at large? So say I want to read a, a book that I know has some Catholic, some non-Catholic thoughts. It's not written by a Catholic. It's got some heretical stuff, maybe. Okay. You're saying you should know... You should know your stuff before you go delving into the world of, of you know, I guess, modern culture. I don't think you have to be a hermit and, like, not engage with the culture. We have to. Like, so let's jump into it more in regards to just evangelization and catechesis. Um, so we're called to, like, share, like, who Jesus is, like, his love that he came. He came to save. He wants to save you, random other person that we're, like, meeting. Um and we're called to like catechism in the truth so they can walk the narrow road um, that, that, that leads to salvation. Do we have to know everything before we do that? No, absolutely not. Um, we can't. Uh, we do our best. If anything, this is what Pope Francis is talking about in regards to accompaniment. So we should know our stuff. We should pray with the teachings of the church, like not just like read uh, sacred scripture and not just read the catechism, but pray each of them, uh, pray with them. Um, and do know our things, especially if we're coming to a person who's an atheist. Okay, I need to probably know some of those like atheist arguments. But you don't have to be, you don't have to know everything so as to answer all of their questions. Be like, hey, let's go. Why don't we go look that up? Now, in regards to engaging particular media or content, I mean, I do think we have to be prudent and discerning in regards to what we expose ourselves to, um, because that that could be very dangerous to us. I, I love the new baptism, right? Like it just got translated in like last year and it talks about like, keep yourself from the contagion of sin. There's a far worse virus out there than coronavirus or any other illness that could ever come our way. Like it's sin, but errors lead to sin. And so we do have to be careful at what errors and lies of the devil that have been spun into things of the culture that we do expose ourselves to or allow in our life. Um, And so too, again, this also goes into like some of the disciplines of a disciple, like also, where are we spending our time? Like a lot of times people will find like an hour for some Netflix shows or like for some like, you know, beach trash sort of like novel or whatever, and yet won't be praying and won't be like reading and pray some of the saints and be like, okay, there's only so much time in the day. If I have to choose between the two, like we should be going with the saints, we should be going with scripture, we should be going with encounter with Christ rather than just... uh, like vapidness, right? Yeah, I mean, Game of that. Thrones for sweets the that time. don't fill. That's not nutritious. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what it is. It's like an intellectual treat that's not that's not actually nutritious. Where this other stuff over here, though you might not like it as much, like in the initial taste or whatever, like it actually is going to feed you. It's going to nourish you, so you can thrive uh, in your spiritual life. So here's one thing to kind of pivot the conversation. Uh, I wanted to tell something about you and then ask you. 
most people, uh, we, we have done a new thing with Father David here on campus. We have never had a parochial vicar be something other than the parochial vicar. But for Father David, with his background, his learning, and his great zeal for the sacred liturgy, he is the director. Not only is he the parochial vicar of the parish, but he is the director of liturgy and sacraments, right? So if you're kind of wrapping this podcast up, what would you say you are most excited about for St. Anthony's, right? So you came from St. Vincent de Paul. You're not a rookie anymore in terms of being a priest, living in a large parish, doing the, the work. Now you're here. You totally new parish, clean slate, blank slate. You know what are you most excited about as director of liturgy and sacraments for okay. our parish? Probably the thing I'm most excited for. Again, it goes back to even the priesthood. What I'm excited for is journeying with people to come to know Jesus Christ more, to encounter him. What the sacred liturgy is are those climactic moments, those greatest portals by which we encounter him, the one true living God. The things that we do as we try to celebrate the one sacred liturgy that is happening in heaven that we, again, by God's grace, he gave us access to through the sacraments, most especially the source and summit, which is the holy sacrifice of the mass and the Eucharist where he gives himself body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, The things that we do within it um, help, again, us persons who are composite beings, body and soul, like help us to engage that invisible aspect of reality that we're encountering better and better. Again, Mother Church would tell us like what some of the ideals are, the movement towards them. We can always trust Christ and his bride will help us to enter more deeply into it. So I look forward to helping people understand like more of Jesus Christ, of course, encounter him more and encounter him through particularly those sacraments, not just the mass, again, all of the sacraments, but of course, the saints will tell us most, especially like um, after baptism, which is necessary for salvation, um, the uh, the sacrament of reconciliation, so beautiful, again, God's mercy, and that source and summit, which is the Eucharist and the most holy sacrifice of the Mass. So the church says like, we should be moving towards this or whatever. Um, here's why. Again, here's the beauty behind it. Here's the goodness behind it. Here's the truth behind that. Um, and just seeing people, again, flourish as we do some of those things while at the same time to bring it to like Nate's previous question, like go deeper in like our understanding of mental prayer and how to encounter Christ like outside of the sacred liturgy, which prepares us then for those most intimate climactic moments where we meet him. Love it. Love it. All right, Father David, some quick questions. Okay. What's your favorite food? Oh, um, sushi. I don't know. I lo- wasn't expecting to hear that. Yeah, I know. I mean, my, my family still has a, a cattle ranch because, uh, again, we helped like settle uh, seven generations. We helped settle an area of Texas. So we still have like a working farm and ranch and cattle. So, I mean, beef. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, sushi. I like sushi too. Uh, favorite book? Oh. Um, book that you've read more than twice. Um, you could say the Bible. Well, yeah, but the Bible. No, you can't. Because <laughs> it's a collection of books. Um, oh, Stupidville. Romans. <laughs> Romans. Um, immensely difficult uh, question because I try to go back to books on a regular basis, so I have lots of kind of favorites, and I, I can't cheat and say Rapid the Bible fire, or, Father David. Sorry. 
<laughs> beginner's books. Beginner's books on like how to pray. I always try to go back to beginner's books like Introduction to Prayer with Kreeft or there's one by Alan Bloom, Living Prayer, who's like a, a, a metropolitan, like uh, Orthodox bishop, mm. um, Into the Deep with uh, Dan Burke. Um Various because inter- again, this is all about relationships. So some of the basic stuff is like so, just very important to go back to. Favorite movie? I don't. The watch Tomorrow it. War. Sorry, Tomorrow. Christopher Pratt. <laughs> I, I enjoy the Marvel stuff as I as I had told Jay when he did his quick little thing. I mean, those are those are fun. Um, I don't I don't watch a ton of mm. media, so unfortunately. Okay, favorite leisurely non priesthood thing that you like to do. Um, I, and I, again, I, I am a hunter. I like to be outdoors. I am. That's one of the reasons why I'm excited to be in the woodlands, just to be surrounded by nature again more. I mean, I, I can see stars. Like I noticed that the other night. You're that's like, great. oh, look, I'm in nature. And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, wait, no, I'm right next to a Kroger. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do love hunting. Uh, and I mean, it's kind of not priestly, but at the same time too, I use my quote unquote, like little bits of downtime to just nerd out as well, because again, I want to be a good dad. And so that means I need to be taking in as much as I can to be a good dad, whether it's I'll read books on parenting and things like that. So that, again, to help me, because I can like translate it analogously. Okay, this is how I would care for spiritual kids. But I mean, I nerd out and listen to podcasts and stuff like Gomer's EKSB, mm. um, uh, stuff from the Institute for Catholic Culture. I'm trying to think of all the different ones that I listen to, but uh, and and audiobooks. So cool, cool. Oh, man. What are you uh, last one? What are you most excited for uh, just in your tenure here as the new parochial vicar at St. Anthony's? Again, I mean, it's got, it's got to come back to the question Gomer had. I mean, there's nothing more glorious, and I think you can probably say it like as a dad, to see your kids come alive um, and to, like, thrive. And, and for me, it's going to be to encounter Jesus Christ and to see the transformation that can happen. I've seen the beauty of people being set free in the sacrament of confession from, like, vices uh, and the growth and holiness that happens. Seeing people, again, come alive and encountering the Lord more so through sacred liturgy, through their regular, like, life of prayer that they're now kind of, like, getting in. They're learning to settle in and all those sorts of things. So just really to accompany people because that's what God's called me to do is to be a dad, spiritual father, a priest, and that's to accompany people to Jesus Christ so that he can love him and their hearts can be fused with his sacred heart. Beautiful. I love to hear it. So I got a couple of lightning round questions. Oh, boy. Okay. You ready for this? Go. Number one, favorite color? Blue. Okay. Uh, Actually, black. Come on. I mean, it's, it's black. <laughs> it's black. Okay. How about we compromise navy okay. blue? Navy blue. Yeah, Marion, of course. There you go. Uh, oh, that's mine. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Um, if you could have one superpower, would it be to fly or to be invisible? Invisible. Okay, that's the wrong Weird. answer. The answer is fly. Invisible is creepy. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm invisible. Now no one can see me. Read this book from Sheban. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I could be in my office and I could just be reading and studying and it would be wonderful. Or again, I'm a hunter, so I would yeah, <laughs> you, I'd definitely you, would, you would creep up on them prey. Yes, I get that's it. Right. I get it. Okay. Uh, a freezer full of venison. If you could only sing one song from your hit album for your glory that you recorded circa two thousand and seven, nine, something like that, what for the rest of your life in every mass, what song in, would it be? Okay, well it wouldn't be in the mass. But anyway, um <laughs> I know, uh, <laughs> what song would uh, it be? I mean, Father We Stand, that's because the that's our answer. yeah, that's exactly correct. that's our that's our household song and um yeah. And I actually, well, that's a pretty regular song within my prayer time. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. Same here. Uh, if you were to sell one of your songs to Joel Osteen, <laughs> which song would it be? It was actually Father We Stand. We were at one point in time, I was in conversations with Lakewood no Church. Way. Yeah. And, <laughs> no uh, way. Yeah, I was actually, they were kind of like, they were going through like a transition and some stuff like that. And, uh, but 
my vocal coach, uh, again, one of those other things that I had trained like classically, like operatically, like I was looking at going and doing the Young Placido Domingo program at one point in time. And I was like, I don't want to sing the same aria like every day of my life. Long story short is I ended up recording this contemporary Christian album. And um, and they they like that one. Music and Spotify. Yes, you can. Um, uh, And yeah, they were looking at potentially buying that and whatever. I would have come there and like sang during one of their services or something like that. But yeah. Follow up thing. Question. It fell through. It didn't Follow actually up happen. Question. Would you rather uh, live, laugh, love, or dance like no one's watching? <laughs> live, laugh, love. Okay, fair enough. That's all I got. That's it. That's my rapid <laughs> That's fire. good stuff. Good stuff. Father David, we're psyched to have you on board. <laughs> I'm so very glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the pod. We are, I truly, I'm looking forward to uh, all your, your, your fatherhood and all your, uh, uh, you know, you know, other stuff too. Um, <laughs> your brotherhood, your yes, fatherhood. Good, great. Uh, Yeah, we're excited. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Well, thank you very much for having me. So glad to be with y'all.